since when most people hear the, the phrase or the or excuse me the word seasons, they probably think about weather or climate change. They think about the quarters that divide up our year into to spring, to fall, to summer, and winter. And I'm sure when I name all four of those, you automatically think about which one is your favorite, right? How many of you would say that fall is your favorite? Let me see your hand. How many of you would be spring? How about summer? How about winter? <laughs> and the hands get less and less. You know, it's, it's interesting, I, and I said that, I, I was actually setting you up for something. I actually did a, a, um, a, some research this week, just real quickly, just to see what, the, what people's favorite season of the year was. And guess what it was? It's fall. Fall is, by the people they surveyed anyway, is by far the f- most favorite season of all. It's my favorite, so obviously it's got to be everyone else's favorite. But behind that was spring, and then summer, and then, and then there was a huge drop-off <laughs> to winter. No one likes winter. I know we've seen a, a few hands that were raised, and, but no one really likes winter. I mean, it's, it's okay for a couple of days, you know, to get cold and see some snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and all these things. But nobody wants to be in winter for very long because winter is, is cold. The days are shorter. Uh, the nights seem to be longer. There's more darkness. I mean, it's, it's not a good time. It can be dry. It can be depression. As a matter of fact, there's actually a disorder. You can look this up. Don't do it right now. There's actually a disorder called winter depression. Who's ever heard of that? It's actually the, the medical name for it is seasonal affective disorder. The acronym for that is SAD. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's, it is kind of funny. But that people get depressed in winter because it's, it's dry. It's, it seems to be barren and, and no growth. And, but despite all of those things that are going on, when it, when it may seem like that, that, that nothing's happening, that it's dead, that it's dry, there is a purpose for the season of winter. As a matter of fact, we're going to learn in this series that there's a purpose for every season. If you don't have one season, that it makes the other three seasons almost um, unaffected. They're not as purposeful. They're not as productive. Winter is necessary. For example, many plants and trees go dormant in winter. And they need the cold weather. They need the, the, uh, the, the shorter days so that they can go dormant. And the reason it's important for them to go dormant, watch this, is so that they can store up energy to produce new growth in the spring. Without that winter, matter of fact, I should have asked John White to come and teach this. Without that winter, there are some fruit trees, such as the, the cherry trees, that, that needs that, those long, cold days so that they can go dormant and, and get ready to, uh, to store up that energy to produce that fruit and be even more fruitful than they were the previous season because of the season that they went through of winter. Winter is very necessary for the new growth. And this is what I want us to study and learn in this series, that, that just as we have seasons of weather and climate change that we go through uh, that are necessary for the flourishing of life on this planet, we also have spiritual seasons that we go through that are designed to make us better and to keep us humble and dependent Upon God. If you have your Bibles this morning or smartphones or neither one, you can look at the screen, but go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. How many had a feeling that I would probably read this passage of Scripture in this series? You are right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 
Now, there, you could read verses 1 through 11 and, uh, and get a better idea for the different uh, types of seasons that we go through, but I, I want us to just focus on verse number 1. It says this, For everything there is a season. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. I want you to pray with me this morning that God would speak to our hearts and change us as we hear His Word today and throughout this series. Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for the privilege that I have to be able to teach Your Word. God, as we've said time and time again, Lord, that Your Word is life and a transforming power that produces results. So God, we know that today that as we hear the Word of God, Lord, that it's not just a a motivational speech. God, it's not just good advice. Father, it is life-changing. And I just pray, God, that we would reverence your word today and that we would take it to heart and that we would um, implement the things, Lord, that you want to teach us today. God, I pray that that me as a vessel would be anointed by God to, to teach clearly so that all of us that hear this word today, God, would understand exactly what you want to teach us today and let us leave differently, let us leave better, let us leave more focused on what you want to do in our lives as we walk out those doors this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. One more time, verse number one, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then you get to verse 11 and it says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Very, very interesting. For everything there is a season, and God has made everything beautiful in its own time. Meaning that no matter what it may look like to you, that God is using that, He's doing something in that season, and it's beautiful. It's there for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Every spiritual season that we walk through has meaning. It has purpose. It's beautiful in its own time. And what I want us to learn throughout this series is that God is doing something in this season, whatever that season may be for you. We don't all go through the seasons at the same time, just like like climate and weather. We, We in Arkansas may be going through a fall right now, but across the world, on the other side of the globe, people are experiencing a complete different season. So, so some of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we may be in one season while someone else may be in another season, but every season that we go through has a purpose that God is trying to use this season to prepare you for what is coming in the next season. Now, here in just a moment, I am going to share with you uh, really the, um, uh, the premise for the entire series and really the outline I'm going to share with you uh, four different types of seasons that we go through. Now, I believe that these are the four main ones and possibly even the four only seasons, spiritual seasons that we go through as Christ followers. There may be other names to seasons. People may think of another uh, type of season that you go through spiritually, but I believe that at their core that they could all be put into these four categories, these four seasons, and here they are. There is the dry season, the pruning season, the growing season, and the harvest season. I just want you to just look at those four seasons on the screen for just a moment. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time doing this, but you're in one of those four seasons right now. Every single one of us as Christ followers are in one of those four seasons right now. 
The dry season, the pruning season, the growing season, and the harvest season. And you may be here today and you may think, well, I'm glad I'm through with that one season, but I'm here to tell you, now this, is, this may sound discouraging, but I hope to preach this out and you get some encouragement this morning, but I'm here to tell you that these are not one-time occurrences. It's not something that, well, I'm glad I'm finished with the pruning season, I never have to go through that again. You're going to face this on a, not necessarily a yearly basis, but as God matures you, as God develops you, as God takes you to higher callings and deeper levels, you are going to experience all four of these seasons in different cycles of your life. As we move throughout this series, my prayer for all of us is that we would identify which season that we are in and that we would learn to embrace it and know its purpose so that you don't miss what God is trying to do for you and through you during this season. Okay? Because I know some of you look right now and there's two of those that don't look very fun to go through. Actually, three when when we learn about one, but... But especially those first two, you think, man, I don't want to be in this. But, but my prayer is that you would get a hold and understand that for everything, there is a season. There is a purpose. There's, there's a reason. God has made everything beautiful in its time. So if you're going through one of those first three seasons that may seem, seem difficult, your, your tendency may be to say, I want out of this. But my goal is to get you to embrace it, to identify where you are, embrace it, and realize that God is trying to do something in your life during this season. Today we're going to begin by talking about the dry season. The dry season. Everybody say dry season. Now I specifically chose this one to start with this one because um, if I'm being very transparent with you today, this is the season that I'm in in my life. This is the season that I'm in in my life. It's a, it's a season to where uh, you, you wonder where God is. Because sometimes it feels like that God's not anywhere to be found. That prayer is, is a struggle. That reading the Word of God becomes more of a chore than it does a passion. That you just don't seem to sense His presence like you once did. And it seems like that, that even though you're doing all the things that you were doing before, I mean, nothing's changed, Pastor Jerry, that, that I can think of, that you just don't seem to be feeling or sensing His presence like you have in times past. It's a dry season. I'm thirsty. I want a move of God in my life. But it seems like that no matter how much I try to press in, no matter how much I try to pray, no matter how much I try to read the Word of God, it just seems like that I'm not feeling God's presence like I once did. And it's very discouraging. It's very depressing. It's a struggle. I don't know if any of you can identify with this, but... Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that you, most of you know what I'm talking about. And I think most of you, or a lot of you this morning, would, would say, Pastor Scott, I, I think that's the season that I'm in right now. just feel like that I'm in a dry season, that I just don't sense God doing things in my life like He's done in the past. You know, and and it, this, this pains me to admit, because here I am, I'm the pastor of the church. I'm supposed to have vision. I'm supposed to have excitement and and energy to be able to motivate a group of people around the mission of Jesus Christ. But yet I find myself in a dry season. And maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you say, well, Pastor Scott, I'm glad you're admitting that because I thought something was wrong with me. 
Because I'm in a dry season in my life. Here's the good news that you and I need to know this morning. Listen to this. It's only a season. It's, it's only a season, which means it's only temporary. It's not some, some permanent rut, rut that you get stuck in, that, that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. It's only a season. The Bible says once again that for everything there is a season and God has made everything beautiful in its own time. I'm so thankful that what I'm stuck at, what I seem to be stuck in right now, is not a permanent season in my life. It's simply just temporary. If you're taking notes this morning, write this first point down. There is a purpose for the season that I am in. There's a purpose for the season that I'm in. I may not like it, I may not understand it, but for everything there is a season and God has made everything beautiful in its time. It may seem ugly, it may seem depressing, it may seem discouraging to me, but God has a purpose behind the season that I'm in. God is trying to teach me a lesson about growth or about faith or about trust or about strength, endurance, Certain things He can't teach us in the harvest season. Certain things that He can't teach us in the growing season. Certain things He can't teach us in the pruning season. Certain lessons that we have to learn that we can only learn as we experience the dry season. There's a purpose for the season I'm in. And the sooner that I understand this, the sooner that I can begin to experience what God wants to teach me in this season. The sooner that you learn that, that the, the season that you're in is, is, is a purpose, that there's a purpose behind it, then the sooner that you're going to begin to experience the things that God wants to teach you during this season. Well, pastor, why are you in this dry season? Why do we go through dry seasons? I want to answer that this morning. I, I want to give you three reasons, and I believe these are probably the only three reasons why you and I go through spiritually dry seasons. All right, here's the first one. It's pretty obvious. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. If you're feeling distant from the Lord this morning, the first thing you need to do is examine your heart. The first thing you need to do is pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. God, see if there's anything in my life. God, if there's anything, Lord, that I have not confessed to you, God, expose that to me so that I can pray, so that I can ask for forgiveness. Because I'm here to tell you, that sometimes we bring dry seasons on ourselves because we're, we're hiding sin. There's sin that we haven't confessed. Just like last week when we, we read the story about the man in the church, in the synagogue, who had the withered hand. He had a deformity. We, we come to church and we try to pretend like everything is okay and, and we have this withered hand. We have this, we have this secret sin. But we walk into church and we, we stuff that withered hand down in our pockets in hope that nobody sees what's really going on in our lives. But, I, but one of the things that I tell people all the time is that, that God can't fix who you pretend to be. You know why? Because that's not really you. He can only fix who you really are. And so you, yeah, if there's anything that's in your life, if there's any unconfessed sin, you're going to have to deal with that because sin will distance you from the Father. 
Now, God is always going to be there, okay? Don't get me wrong, it's not like God bails on you, but you're going to feel distant from Him. It's just like the same way that I can be lying in bed with my wife only eight inches away from her, or sometimes six or four, depending on how the night's going. But I can, okay, that sounded odd. I'm talking about when she's not sleeping good. Uh, But I can be laying beside her only a few inches away, being very close, but still feel distant from her because of something that I've done wrong or something I'm hiding. Or something that I've said that's hurt her. How many knows what I'm talking about? You can be physically close, but be, but be intimately distant because you're hiding something. Unconfessed sin. But here's the good news about this reason for being in a dry season. The cure is pretty simple. It's repentance. <laughs> confession. The cure for unconfessed sin is Confession. We confess that. We have a great example of King David. The Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. But yet he sank so deeply into sin that he tried to justify the murder of the husband of the woman that he was having an affair with. I don't know the whole, you know, I can't get into the mindset of, 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 of David, but I'm sure that he's probably thinking, man, I. I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm the king. There's, you know, God loves me. And yes, God did love him, but he's probably thinking that there's nothing that could distance me from God's presence. But yet he found himself going deeper and deeper and deeper into sin till one day I believe that he woke up and he realized I'm in a dry season. I don't feel the presence of God like I once did. And then he wrote a whole psalm about it. Psalm chapter 51 is what I call the repentant uh, uh, psalm. It's, it's where David is repenting, and he says a lot of things. I would highly encourage you to go and read that. But he realizes that, that he's in this, this, um, this dry season because he is, he's living in sin. And one of the things he says, it's somewhere along verse 7 or 8, somewhere in there, he says something along the lines of, God, you have desired honesty from my mother's womb. But yet I haven't been honest with people. I haven't been honest, and this is not David here, I'm just saying this, I haven't been honest with my spouse, I haven't been honest with my friends, I haven't been honest with my employer, I haven't been honest with my Christian brothers and sisters. God, I have been living a life of pretending. And then he gets down to verse number 11. Is what I want to read for you. Uh, David says this. He says, Lord, please do not banish me from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. See, that's the problem when we're living in unconfessed sin. It's it's like there's no joy. We, We don't experience the joy of the Lord anymore. Because we're hiding, we're living in dishonesty, we're trying to hide something. You may fool your spouse, you may fool your your fellow Christians, but you cannot fool God. God knows you. If there's any area in your life of habitual sin, you need to put it to death. You need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Confess that to Him so that you can begin to experience once again the joy of your salvation. Sometimes the reason we're in a dry season is because of unconfessed sin. Another reason we go through a spiritually dry season is because of a lack of word in our life. A lack of the word in our lives. Just like physically speaking, um, we have a, a, a physical body that requires fluids. We're supposed to drink a lot of water. 
Keep lots of fluids in us. Because if we don't have a lot of fluids in us, if we don't continually drink water and and, and stay hydrated, we become dehydrated. And I believe the same thing can happen spiritually. We can be suffering from spiritual dehydration. But the cure, once again, just like the cure for unconfessed sin, the cure for spiritual dehydration or being in a dry season because you're lacking the Word is pretty simple. It's to get into the Word of God, to get into Scripture. God's Word is living. God's Word is life-giving. It's water to our thirsty souls. It's able to breathe new life into you in a dry and distant season where you feel separated from God. There's something about the Word of God. As I mentioned in my prayer a while ago, it's life-changing. It produces results when you get the Word of God in you. You don't have to understand how it works. Just like when you're taking an antibiotic, you may not know how that works, but you're going to take it regularly because that's what's going to get you well. There's got to be a daily discipline in the Word of God. And when we lack that, we become spiritually dehydrated. Again, we can reference King David in Psalm chapter 1. This is not on the screen, but he said, Those who meditate. That word meditate, and I don't know why I feel like i got to justify that word, but I think it's a lot of times we think about meditation, we think, oh, that's that's evil, that's just wrong. You're opening up your mind to... To demonic activity. Now, meditation just really means to think on something. To meditate. You're, you're not just going to read the Word, but you're going to meditate. You're going to think about it. What does that mean? God, what are you speaking to me here? David says that, that those who meditate, those who study, those who chew on the Word of God are like trees planted along the riverbanks. He says their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. That doesn't mean that you won't go through dry seasons. But it doesn't mean that you won't go through difficult times, but no matter what season that you find yourself in, when you're anchored in the Word of God, it's like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. It's going to sustain you. It's going to protect you. It's going to take care of you. It's going to keep you nourished. So this morning, if you lack consistency in your commitment to God's Word, you are certain to find yourself in a spiritual drought. But if you're in the Word of God and you know that there's not any sin in your life that you need to confess, and you know that that you're living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, but yet you still find yourself in a dry season, there's still one other reason why we may experience that dry season. And that is because, number three, God is transitioning you to a new season. Now this is, this is good. If you know that there's not any unconfessed sin in your life, if you know that you're in the Word of God, but yet you still feel like that you're in a dry season where God seems distant, where, where it feels like that you're not experiencing God's presence for whatever reason, there's a good chance, and a really good chance, that God has you in this season and He's trying to get your attention because He's, he's got another season that He's about to move you into. One of the hardest things to come to grips with as a child of God is when you know that you've stepped out in faith to follow God and to sincerely pursue His plan for your life only to find that His provisions seem to be drying up. 
I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. You know you heard God speak to you. You've stepped out in faith. You're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Things go pretty good for a while. And then it seems like that after a while, you just seem to be going through a dry season. I can promise you this this morning. Some of you are like, well, I've never experienced that. I can promise you this this morning, that if you consistently pursue your calling with, for, with God, and you consistently pursue a deeper relationship with God, you will experience a dry season. When you truly uh, obey the Lord's voice, and you may not understand it, but you're going to step out in faith, things may go well for a while, but eventually you're going to experience a dry season. Because God has you there. He's trying to get you. He's trying to transition you into a new season. Once again, for everything there is a season. You may want to stay in the harvest season for the rest of your life, but I'm not here to bust your bubble, but it ain't happening, honey. Because you're going to get stuck. You're going to become dependent on the blessings. You're going to become dependent on the feelings. You're going to become dependent on how good everything is going. And you're going to lose your trust and faith in the provider rather than being in the provisions. If you're sincere about following God's plan for your life, you're going to experience a dry season at one point in your life or another. Multiple times if you're sincerely pursuing His calling for your life. You're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit one day. You're going to step into a ministry and all things are going to be going well for a while. You're going to be meeting new people, meeting new friends. God's blessings are going to be flowing in your life. Your ministry is going to be thriving. It's going to be fruitful. Church is going to be growing. I mean, people packing in the seats and uh, people coming and going. It's, it's great. Everything is good. You know, you know you're in the will of God because everything is going great. But then unexpectedly, God's provisions are going to dry up. You know, we have a great example of this in 1 Kings chapter 17 with the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet that God used to tell King Ahab, which if you don't know anything about King Ahab, he was a, a wicked king. Matter of fact, the Bible describes him as the evilest of all kings. Um, and God sent Elijah to give a message to King Ahab. He says, I want you to go tell him that there's about to be a drought. That it's not going to rain for the next few years. As a matter of fact, it's not going to rain, Elijah, until I give you the word to call for rain again. Okay? So Elijah goes to King Ahab and he tells him, he says, here's what the, the Lord says. That there's going to be no more rain in this land for the next few years. Years. And then after, after Elijah does this, God gives him an instruction. He says, now I want you to go down to the brook of Kareth and I want you to camp out there and, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you during this drought. Let's pick up the story. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse number 2. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Elijah, this is after he had just prophesied to King Ahab, go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah, this is very important, Elijah did as the Lord had told him. And he camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Very important. Elijah did exactly what the Lord had told him to do. 
Elijah went exactly where the Lord had told him to go. And as a result of him obeying the voice of God, God was taking care of him. God was providing for him. Everyone else may have been experiencing the effects of the drought. Everyone else may have been wondering where in the world water was going to come from, where was food going to come from, but not Elijah. He's trusting in the Lord. He's camped out by the, by the brook, and, and he's enjoying the clean, clear water that's running from that brook. While everyone else is experiencing drought, Elijah is basking in the provisions of the Lord. I mean, he's, just think about this. I know we look at this as a fairy tale sometimes, but he's not even got to go out and hunt for food. He's got ravens that are bringing him bread and meat in the morning, and then when he's finished with that, later in the evening, in the afternoon, the, the bird's bringing him some more bread. I mean, he's just kicking. He's enjoying life because he's trusting God. Life was good. God was providing. But something's about to happen. Verse number 7. But after a while, uh-oh, the brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. After a while, the brook dried up. The provisions of God for that place dried up. The ravens stopped showing up. The brook ran dry. The provisions stopped. Everything Elijah had relied on was gone. Here's the point. Write this down. Careth's don't last forever. Careths don't last forever. One day the brook is going to dry up. It's not always a physical place. It, it may be a job that's providing financial security. Maybe it's a special friend that God has brought into your life just for a season. Maybe it's simply the comfort and ease of the way that, the, that you've always done things. But one day the brook is going to dry up. The provisions for that season are going to cease. I hope you're hearing this this morning. Some of you are thinking I'm preaching heresy. I, it's preaching you the Word of God, okay? Uh, the, the provisions for that time is going to stop. The provisions for the place that, that, that you're going or to, to be going, or that you had gone, rather, are going to dry up. You may be here this morning and say, well, pastor, that's not going to happen to me because I always follow and obey God's voice. It's interesting that you say that, even though you really didn't. Watch this. Look at, write this down. Obedience to God doesn't mean the brook won't dry up. That's, man, you, you need to put that one on your mirror somewhere where you see it every single day. Obedience to God doesn't mean the brook won't dry up. The brook didn't dry up because Elijah was dabbling in sin. The brook didn't dry up because Elijah was in rebellion. The brook didn't dry up because Elijah had, had refused to obey God. In fact, I think it's kind of ironic that the reason that the brook dried up is a direct result of Elijah's obedience to God in the first place. The brook dried up because there was a drought. The drought happened because there was no rain. Why was there no rain? Y'all don't know this story? <laughs> because Elijah had prophesied to the king that there will be no more rain in the land. 
hope you see this. Elijah is obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everything's good for a while. God's provisions are there. And then after a while, the brook dried up. You know, God simply, God, God's, not, God's not mad at Elijah. God, Elijah hadn't done anything wrong. God, if you know this story, God is simply drying the brook up because he has another place that he wants Elijah to go. God, God's, God's saying, uh, even though Elijah may not have heard these words, God is saying, your, your time here is finished. You've been faithful in obeying me. I have, I have a new place that I want you to go. And it may not always be a physical place. Maybe it's, a, like I said, it may be a, a, a friendship that's only for a season. Maybe it's an area of serving that's only for a season. Whatever that it is, God's saying, you, you've been faithful, but I'm going to start drying up the provisions. And it's not because you're living in sin. It's not because you're not in the Word of God. It's not because you're not following me. It's because I need to transition you to a new area of ministry. I need to transition you to a, to a deeper walk. I need you to trust me. And in order to, to get you to trust me, I'm going to have to remove some provisions. I'm going to have to remove the comfort and the ease that you've been enjoying for the last few months or years. Lane, I'm going to ask you if you would go ahead and come and, and prepare to get some altar music ready for me. I want you to look at the, the next verse, verse number 8. Watch this. The Bible says here, then. That is, that's important. Because then comes after, comes after the brook dried up. Don't, don't you wish that, that God could give us an advance notice of, of while things are good, that, that God is talking to us and setting us up, and He's like, okay, God, or John, you may be enjoying this right now, but, but here, here in a couple of years, I need you to get ready because I'm going to be transitioning you to something different. I'd like that. Because then, you know, I can be thinking about that. I can be planning, okay, you know, I can, okay, what am I going to do? I better have a plan B just in case that, you know, things don't work out there. But the Bible says that the word of the Lord came again to Elijah after the brook dried up. Let's read that. Verse 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, it, really, in order to get the message of this sermon this morning, you've got to know what's happening in Zarephath. Zarephath is also experiencing the effects of the drought that's been caused by no rain. And the Bible tells us that there's a widow woman who is there who is left with her only son. Everything that they had to provide them with with food and water, has run completely out. All that's left in her house is just a, just a little bit of food. I don't know what this conversation looks like, but somehow she's telling her son, son, this is, this is it. This, this is our last meal. We're going to die. That's what the Bible says. She was planning on eating that meal with her son, and then they were going to die. God's very aware of what's going on in Zarephath. And God has a man of God named Elijah who he needs to get to Zarephath so that these people can experience the miraculous in their life.
But God also is an all-knowing God, and he knows that as long as provisions are, are happening in, in Kareth, as long as the brook keeps running, that Elijah is going to be perfectly content with staying where he's at. All the while, someone in Zarephath is perishing. So I've got to do something to cause Elijah to transition and move to another place. So in order for this miracle to happen at Zarephath, Elijah had to be there. How does he get there? God doesn't just conveniently give Elijah a word while everything is good. God dries up the brook. The provisions of God for that area stop. I want to give someone some encouragement this morning and some hope. This was... Man, this has so ministered to me throughout this week because I told you this is the season that I'm in. I know I'm not, I don't have unconfessed sin in my life. I know I'm in the Word of God. To my knowledge, I'm still doing everything the exact way that I've always done it. It just seems to be like my prayers are hitting the roof. I wonder, God, where are you? But here's the hope and the encouragement that I want to give you this morning. If you find yourself in a dry season and you know you're not hiding sin, you know that you're living in obedience. You know that you're in the Word of God and you're doing the best that you can to live for God. You just don't sense His provisions anymore. Then there's a really good chance that God is using this dry season to transition you to something new. I believe that He has a new season for me. I believe He has a new season for this church. I believe that He has a new season for you. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. As they were singing that song a while ago, even if you don't see Him, He's working. Even when you, even when you don't feel Him, He's working. He's working. But we have to be listening for His voice. Because maybe the season that, that we've always known and that we've always been comfortable with, maybe God is saying, I need, I need to stir things up a little bit because God, Scott is getting too dependent upon certain things and he's not really trusting me. Scott's getting too dependent upon his own control and his own perfection and how he does things and how he's always done things. And, and I, I know that some of those things may be okay, but if I'm really going to do a great work in Scott, if I really want to do a great work at the refuge, I need Scott to have a complete, total dependency on me. You see, sometimes we start trusting in feelings. We start trusting in the feel-good emotions. And God needs to dry some things up. It's not a season of discipline. It's a season of transition. But what we have to do, if you can connect with this season and say, that's me, that's a season I'm in, you have to identify with that. You have to learn to embrace that season. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace that season and start listening for God's voice. Because the Bible says, when the brook dried up, then God told Elijah, I need you to go to Zarephath. Man, you, I, I could sit up here for the next hour and a half and start telling you some of the things that God has been showing me, but to be honest with you, I have been scared to death. Just different styles of ministry and different, different formats of worship and how we do things here. And it's, it's, I'm thinking to myself, well, 
God, that's not the way we do things at the refuge. What, what are people going to think? That's, that's not the way we've always done it. And God is saying, Scott, for everything there is a season. A time and place. A, t- a time for every activity under heaven. But I have made everything beautiful in its time. You may not see how things are going to work out. You may be thinking that things are going to come unravel, but Scott, if you will trust me, you're going to experience Zarephath. You're going to experience the miraculous. People's lives are going to be touched. People's lives are going to be healed. People's lives are going to be commissioned for the work of the Lord. And this is not just a word for me. I believe this is a word for all of you here who find yourself in a dry season. That stop looking at it as punishment. Stop thinking that you've done something wrong. I believe that God has you here because He's trying to transition you into a new season. A season of increase. A season of expansion. A season of deeper trust and deeper intimacy with God. He wants to take you to new heights and new levels. But you've got to trust Him. I want to leave you with this. And then we're going to have an altar service. Here, here's the great thing about dry seasons. Here's the great thing about everything has every season, or for everything there is a season. You may not understand it right now. Elijah may not have understood why the brook dried up, but I guarantee you, after he went to Zarephath and he experienced the miracles at Zarephath, he was able to look back and say, if that brook had not have dried up, I would have never experienced the miracles here at Zarephath. I'm telling you that this morning, almost in a prophetic word this morning, that you may not understand the dry seasons right now, but in a few months or maybe in a few short years, you're going to be able to look back on this dry season and say, you know what? If that brook had not dried up where I was, I would have never experienced the miracles that I'm experiencing today. Do you believe that this morning? I want you to ask you, everyone in this room, if you would, just to stand. I'm going to ask them to sing this song again this morning. And I want to open up the altars. I want to ask our lead team to come. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning. You don't necessarily have to be experiencing a dry season. But man, I want you to connect with God today. I want you to connect with God today. They're going to sing this. And I want you to come and I want you to pray. If you need healing, Thomas Martin, I know you're going. You told me yesterday you're ready for a new season. Man, that guy, he's been experiencing a lot of physical things that are just, he's in a rough season. whatever you need this morning, I want you to come and let's take advantage of this opportunity and connect with God. God's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He's not forsaking you. Even if you don't sense Him or feel Him, He is right there. Yes. Pastor Donna has a word she wants to share. Can she use her mic?